Welcome back to Ranking Things with Levi. This is Mike Petrack and I doing the top five emotional sports moments uh, that we've each experienced. That is real, as in our own experiences and professional sports, you know, our own fandom. Uh, this one is pretty nerdy, so if you're not a huge sports fan, this might not be the most fun thing to listen to, but uh, I think for anyone this is interesting because it's kind of a deep dive into what sports makes us feel, um, you know, and how you know how those feelings are different uh, or where they come from, you know. So I think this is interesting. Um, like you'll see, uh, Mike and I have a long history uh, with each other and uh, with sports, and I and you know a little bit of a rivalry. He's from. Uh, the Boston area. I'm from the LA area. A lot of a lot of uh, professional sports rivalries there. Um, so yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, looking forward to uh, episodes we've got coming up. Let me know if there's something you want to rank. Uh, so here we go. Top five emotional sports moments with Mike Petraka. Today we have my good friend Mike Petraka. How you doing, Mike? Pretty good. How are you, Levi? Good. I'm excited. Today we're going to be ranking uh, top five emotional sports moments, and this will be for each one of us. Now, besides being just a normal, not normal, I would say like a, a, a serious sports fan, as you are, that's been a basis of our relationship for a while, um, you also, this was the dream once, right? You were going to be a, a sports writer? Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I was I was a sports writer for a little while, but yeah, the, the dream was to sort of move up the ranks and and right for a sports team. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun while I was doing it. And uh, yeah, how many, to, how many, how many like live events you did? Did you do? I remember you sent me some articles back in the day, but um, I would say I probably did about a hundred to hundred and twenty. Oh dang! Um, oh, so yeah, so I was yeah I was I was bopping. Um, I was doing about you know six to ten a week for a while there for six month period was pretty heavy. And then for about a year and a half on and off. So yeah, it was a good time, mostly high school, a little bit of college. So. And then yeah, you went back to, you went back to school for economics and now you are working at a, a catering company, right. And, um, right. And mm-hmm. looking, looking for the next move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So eventually tying sports and economics together is sort of the, the move here. Oh, um, so nice. yeah, that's, yeah, it's a long-term. That's a long-term plan. So, uh, so you never know. I mean, the way the NFL is hiring people these days, you apparently you don't need much experience to get into uh, into the league. So we'll see. That's, we'll see how yeah, that's right. save that's that right. for the hot sports things later. Sure. Um, so we're talking about top five emotional sports moments because I want to, and I kind of want to examine this. Why? What is it about sports that makes us feel things? I guess. Um, why to you? are sports so emotional? Um, so I think, I think, um, so one thing from like sort of the sports reporter background is no matter like, no matter what level it's on, um, as long as there's, no, I actually wouldn't even say that is no matter what level it's on, there's always some sort of emotional bond you can see between people, whether it's team members, coaches, the fans, the families there watching the games. If you're on, you know, if you're on a high school, if you're watching a high school game or a, a little league game or, you know, a hockey match, um, you see sort of the, the swing of emotions between the, 
the crowd and the players and the, you know, the, the banter between coaches and players. And um, so it just, it matters, you know, I think it matters inherently to the people playing and the people that know people that are playing or have like a mm. community connection. If you're watching like a sort of higher level ones, you know, this is our team. We're from Pittsburgh and we root for the Steelers. So it's like a communal sort of uh, emotional response to what's happening. Mm. Um, and do you feel feelings that you don't otherwise feel in sports? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. I, I think it is weird. I would say it's weird to feel so emotionally tied to a thing you have like little to you have no control over. Let's just say. Um, right. I wouldn't say little, just none at all. <laughs> uh, especially if you're if you're watching a, a pro sports team or a college or anything really, unless you're. Unless you're playing. like helping out yeah. coaching or you're playing, um, right. you don't have any effect at all. And yet somehow it matters so much. Um, I, and I think that even goes along with too, is just, you know, your, maybe your family's fans of this team or this, uh, or this college, or you went to that college or there's, there's some sort of human connection, whether that's um, with you and another person or you and the university or, or pro sports sort of, you have memories from being at a sports game when you were a kid. Um, yeah. yeah. Like you talked about, there's a connection to community and culture too. Um, but yeah, I think the, uh, I mean, besides like you and I are both competitive people, but it's like, there's a, there's a level of competition in wanting to succeed. But I think it's also, to me, it's sometimes it's like a basic outcome, like outcome of good versus evil. Um, mm-hmm. You know, basically, like basically like it feels good when, your who you're rooting for wins um and yeah that's exactly. like that's like that's like a universal truth um and why i like sports is i think you feel that more often than just way more often than you do in real life like it's just not often that in real life outside of a sports construct am i in a good versus evil you know like con conflict yeah exactly or, uh, or competition so and it, and it's funny on the higher level too because it you know in the end it's like it's like this good and evil that you sort of this sort of narrative that you kind of make up in your head or the collective narrative that gets written the Yankees versus the Red Sox, you know, the, right. the LA versus, uh, you know, the Texas Yankees, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this stuff, you know, but it's, it's, it's funny because it's just, it's just something sort of ma- this like made up good versus evil thing that mm-hmm. it's not a real thing, but, but at the same time it is right. Right. Um, it's us <laughs> against them. It's, <laughs> it's you know Pittsburgh versus Baltimore like we you know yeah you know you I just, play, uh, we hate them because they're they they beat us last year or they you know have we we have this history with them it's, it's really yeah. it's a funny construct yeah I play basketball at the Y uh, try to a couple times a week and even when you check the ball you know it's essentially pickup. You know, you'll be like good guys against bad guys. Here we go. You know, or I always yeah, say good looking, right. good looking, good looking guys against ugly guys. Here we go. You know, just uh, <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. You, I think, you just so quickly build that um, us against them. You know, where that where it feels good. Obviously, when you win. Um, yeah. You know, the real, be- yeah, the real. I think it's more balanced to realize it's all just for exercise. You know, at the end and keep your attitude yeah. in check. But yeah. Right, so yeah, I think it's about- cool. Like. Um, I think that that part of it's cool too to see like you know as much as 
you know, the fans make it such a thing. And you want to see them, like, competitive on the field when you're a fan. Like, you want to see them, you know, a little bit of jarring, a little bit of, you know, you want to see that competitive fight and that competitive spirit. But, you know, it at some point it's you want to see, like, them having fun out there because that's how this all started, right? Like, right. no one started playing whatever sport they're playing because they wanted to make a ton of money or, you know, or any of this sort of fame and fortune they, because they were friends were playing it and they want it looks fun. So they went and played right. and they had fun and they keep having fun. Mm. So it's cool to see it, you know, that continue up on down the line at the end of the day. So um, we wanted to talk about top five emotional sports moments. And we blended a few things in our list here. We blended both highs and lows, or just any kind of strong emotional reactions. We also blended our own, well, watching sports, like our own pro teams that we're fans of, and our own sports experiences, so playing on teams or whatever. So it's a funny, I think I think it's an interesting list, because what, what I'm looking for is just the top five strongest emotional reactions that, um, that we each had to sports. So this will be interesting, because it's not really a, I mean, I think, you know, we will have some comparison just because we have different rooting interests, but it's not a ranking per se uh, where, where we'll be debating uh, the position of a certain thing. Um, yeah, I think I think we will find some commonalities well, for sure. How, how did you find well, making the list? Well, I, I think there is some sort of ranking, but it's like it's not it's not an objective ranking. Like I can't judge how you rank your your oh, five true. top emotional moments. There are there's a ranking that you've made and there's a ranking that I've made, but they're not really subject to question. It's just, you know, it's one person's emotions um, about this, about this emotion, you know, about this topic here. Right. Okay. So I, uh, do you have any, we, we, we picked five, which when we made the list uh, was difficult. I had to leave a bunch off just real quick. Do you want to yeah. run through any, any of your honorable mentions? Um, so honorable mentions. Um, so I did all of mine, and I I think this is true, probably across the board. All of my like most emotional moments, I would say, have been watching sports. My top okay. five. Right. Um, and I would say that so because I I don't feel like I've ever been in like in a complete in like a very high stakes sports situation where um, I was either like heartbroken from defeat or had like an incredible high of winning. Um, um, it was never on sort of that high of a level, I would say. So I played high school sports. Um, I played baseball. Um, mm -hmm. So my honorable mention would be um, for high school baseball. I was, it's funny, it was JV baseball. So okay. um, I was a pitch. I was a pitcher. Um, and it was a tight game. We were I had pretty good I had good stuff that day. It was I was things were going well out there for me. Mixed my pitches pretty well. Got late in the game. So you play seven innings of baseball in high school. Um and this is J V, so I was a sophomore. And I was cruising along, got in a little trouble in the last inning. Um I walked the leadoff man, struck out a batter, got another out. And then someone got a hit, and then I walked somebody. So I got the bases loaded, 
Um, we're up, I think it's, we're up two to one, I think, or three to two. The bottom of the seventh last inning. Um, and we had another sophomore, my friend Ryan, who he was playing positions on the varsity team. So he was playing shortstop up there, but he mm-hmm. was still a sophomore, so he could play on the JV team. And he was, he's a pitcher. Like he also pitches, but he didn't on the varsity team. So coach was like, all right, we need one out. Ryan's like a flamethrower. Let's bring Ryan in. Let's get this one out. Let's get out of here with the win. It's been a good day. Like, let's finish this up strong. So coach pulls me out, and I was, like, a little annoyed because, you know, one out to get. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And then Ryan, here comes Ryan, like the big stud, kids playing varsity already, sophomore. Mm-hmm. And he comes in, um, bases loaded, and he just, you know, fastball grooves one, double to right, Two runs come in, game over, we lose. <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting on the bench just watching this. First pitch, just like immediate. Wow, that is a low. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was quite the low. Like I had a good game going, like, man, pitched a really good game that day. One I think mm. I gave, either gave up one or two runs and then, you know, the, the varsity player comes down and throws a pitch and uh throws one pitch and there goes the game. So that was a rough one. I teased him for a while. He felt really bad about it, but mm, yeah, uh, I bet. it was fun. Yeah. The other thing, that was, the other thing that was a tough yeah, one. Yeah. The other thing I'm realizing we haven't said is you, uh, born and raised in the Boston area. That's where a lot of mm, your, yeah. that's where a lot of your teams are. We haven't said that just for anyone who doesn't know, just because yeah. my honorable, my honorable mention worth saying, worth reminding, uh, who your fans are or who, who what teams your fans of. Uh, my first honorable mention is the Giants 2011 Super Bowl victory. Over the Patriots <laughs> for the second time, <laughs> I was That's so powerful mention. Okay, I was so ha- I was so happy. That was definitely one of the happiest wins. Um, I have a bunch. I have a couple of those real quick. Uh, Kobe's eighty-one point game uh, was a great day. When I was at a Dodger game one time, I I, I do a lot of heckling at, at uh, baseball games, especially, and mm. I said something rude, and I got Andre Ethier to actually look at me when he was in the warm-up circle. <laughs> So very very proud proud moment. Yeah, long, long time uh, Dodger. Yeah, got an, yeah, got an ill look from him. Yeah, I got him. That's so great. He, yeah, he touched, <laughs> yeah, he saw me, so that's good. Uh, that was a high. Um, also, I have had pretty epic failures of my own sports in like Chris Delkin events. So at the at the football challenge in 2006, I was basically mm. put put in one of the worst performances of all time. Um, so I mean that, those are that's a strong you know strong emotions that stick with me. Mm. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, but let's get into our list. Um, you, let's start with your number five. Okay, so my number five. My number five. So again, sort of Levi kind of mentioned this. I'm from the the Boston area originally, so grew up sort of Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics fan. So all the Boston sports. So my number five is the 2016 Patriots Super Bowl championship. Mm. So this, is this over, was this is over the Falcons, right? The big correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the big comeback. Wow. Um, yeah. So lots of emotions. Um, so I think one of the biggest things there was just, it was such a swing in emotions. The first mm-hmm. half, like, and nothing, nothing was going right. They were down 21 nothing at one point in the first half, um, and they 
they've gotten pretty far into Falcon territory two times. Fumble by Legarrette Blunt, I believe, and then mm-hmm. Brady's That's right. epic interception pick six um, deep in Falcon territory. And that was just – that was gutting. That was just like a – he just didn't. I just didn't see that one coming. He just doesn't do. He just doesn't do that in a big game. That's just not. It's not something you see typically. And uh, so yeah, it was just. It was just a low time. And I think they got to twenty-one-three at half. You know, like okay, maybe they can get it going. Get it. Get it going. Starting the third quarter. Like like they don't. They don't get blown out very much in any games. The Patriots. Right. Um, in sort of this Brady Belichick era, they get beat. They get beat sometimes, but they don't get blown out. So, right. um, like, they'll figure it out. They'll they'll get back in the game. And then, you know, it, the Falcons score pretty early in the third, and it's twenty-eight to three. And you just see the you just see the time ticking away. And yeah, it was it was surprising. I just I did I never really I wouldn't say I ever really counted them out completely, mm-hmm. um, but it was getting there. Um, it was getting there. I think. Um, like when the so the fourth quarter started twenty-eight to three, the biggest fourth quarter comeback in NFL history, uh, in playoff history, I should say, um, twenty-five points down. Um, but I just like I felt like they were keeping with the Falcons as far as, um, as far as like the second half goes. I felt like they were playing good, but they just couldn't really cash in like they kicked some field goals and I think it was I think it was 28 to 12 and they kicked their last field goal and I was like man they really needed a score there like I don't know if they have enough time um, was the problem so they were down by 16 there that was before they but then they got a turnover Um, Hightower made a big play and yeah that was the game changer I feel like because I I felt like they could make the comeback but I just didn't know if they had enough time and uh, Hightower made a strip sack on that Ryan, and uh, you know that was sort of deep in deep in Falcons territory. I believe it was like 30, 40 yard line. So finally, it looked like they had a chance, and uh, yeah, it was just impressive. Like the the second half was just I don't know how you know the execution towards the end was just sort of otherworldly. I felt like everyone had to do their job for that to work. Sure, they got a little help, like. A lot of people would say the, the some people would say the Falcons blew it. Um, yeah, definitely. What do you what are your thoughts on that? I think I think most people that? I feel like most people would say the Falcons blew it. I mean, they were so tired and started playing not to lose, you know, instead of playing to win, sure. especially on their sure. on their possessions. But but yeah, it's it, it was an amazing. I mean, it was an amazing comeback. You don't you can't take you know it takes two to tango. Yeah, that, so I think I think that's the thing. Like two things can be true, right? Like right. the Falcons could have played better towards yeah. the end. But like the ex, what I'm saying, the execution at the end was something we've never seen before. I don't think. Yeah. Like yeah. every, like for them to win that game, everything had to be perfect towards the end. Like yeah. they couldn't have had a anything bad change, miscue, right. anything. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, they definitely made some mistakes, like the Falcons, to make that happen. I mean, Julio Jones made one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life on that drive. Um, that put them in field goal range. They knocked themselves out. Um, but yeah, just an epic comeback and like, uh, man, that was a good one. So yeah, that was definitely an emotional high. And I just sort of felt like, um, that really swung the reputation of 
I, I think that was like a legend sort of cementing performance for Brady at the end there. Cause it was like, Oh, is Brady done? Like, you know, yeah, if that know, ended and, in a blowout, like that's right. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's all over right now. And that's the um, fifth, is that the fifth in 10 years? Is that what it is? The number? Uh, that was the fifth Super Bowl championship. Um, more years than that. I forget exactly. Yeah, that 2004, time, 15 or something. 2004. So I think it's 15 now. Anyways. Yeah. Crazy. Um, my number five is Boston related. It is the Paul Pierce wheelchair game, game one, NBA <laughs> finals of 2008. Uh, obviously, a big finals for me. Uh, Kobe has made it back to the finals since yeah. Kobe Shaq split up. Um, I'm watching a lot of basketball at this time in my life. Uh, this is mm-hmm. this is Co- this is Kobe and Gasol the first time, and you remember because we were mm-hmm. probably we were probably texting every day during this one. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Paul Pierce fakes an injury. Uh, comes back and then they win. The Celtics win Game One. They go on to win that whole series. Thankfully, we got mm-hmm. revenge two years later. But that was a lot right. because at that moment, I was worried that we would not come back. Like every time, you know, like Kobe had been, the Lakers had been away from the finals since 2004. So right. it, it had been five long years for me, which other mm-hmm. sports fan, other fans will be mad at that statement alone. But it had been mm-hmm. it had been yeah, five long yeah. years, and I, you just never know if you're going to get back. Obviously, the Lakers go back the next two years and win the next two. But that game, mm-hmm. I will remember forever because you lose game one. What I think eighty percent of the time, the winner of game one wins the series. So you you knew sure, we were in yeah. bad, bad, uh, bad straits on that one. That's my number five. Just uh, sad. Mm-hmm. Losses. I have another. I have another sad loss uh, later. But yeah, that was uh, okay. That was a rough one. Gotcha. What's What's your uh, number four? Number four, uh, number four is 2007 Super Bowl loss to the New York Giants. Oh yeah, for the Patriots. Uh, yeah, so number four, that's a that was a low for sure. And that's 18 uh, and one, right? So the, so the the Patriots are 18 yeah. and 0, looking to make looking to finish the perfect season. Yes, destroyed um, by Justin Tuck. Very important. <laughs> the real crime. I'm gonna uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take over. Go the for real it. crime. <laughs> The real crime of that one is Justin Tuck not winning Super, uh, Super Bowl MVP. That's the real crime, both times. Really, did, uh, just... did Manning win it, or who won it? Yeah, Manning Manning won it both times, yeah. 2007 and 2011. And yeah. yeah, he had a good game, but the defense just. Like, oh yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, like in, like in Tom won the game. Yeah, like in Tom Brady's whole career, if you can hit him, which is an and David or, Terry. Or, or, yeah, or rush, yeah, David Terry, pure miracle. Anyways, yeah. So yeah. just a couple things on that one. Um, it was just, I think the game itself. Um, it was just a surprise that the Pats hadn't really had a game like that all year. And mm-hmm. I think it was huge that they played. I think they played with Week 15 that year. Right. Uh, right. And it was a totally different game. I think it was 38-35. Like it was a high-scoring, like weird. I mean, it's weird to play two games in the season: one 17-14 and one 38-35. Like right. completely different game um and it just i mean the pats were so dominant that year they were up by like mm-hmm. 30 points in the first half most of the year like resting their starters in the fourth like that's it randy was moss right that was randy moss yeah that's randy moss yeah. that's like 50 50 touchdowns for brady 23 for moss like yeah crazy. just it, it just it's a tough it was a tough loss and it just lingered for a long time too because yeah. as good as the pats were for a while afterward they didn't win the Super Bowl for a while. And like, right. that was the growing narrative. Like 
uh, like, oh, they're good. Are they really a dynasty? Because they, you know, they've been competitive. They've been one of the best, but they haven't won in a long time. Um, and that's kind of where, because they've only been, it was 2004, the last time they won before that, but then it lasts until 2014, um, until they won again. Yeah. And the Giants so, again. That's the best part. Yeah. In between. Yeah. But the first one, I mean, you can't, that's the thing. Like they win that game. It's like hard to say that they're not the best team of all time. Like you could, it'd be yeah. tough to, but, oh, but you can't exactly. make the argument because they didn't make, they didn't win that game. Like, yeah. You know, I could say they're really good. They're really great, but I can't, you know, they didn't win the Super Bowl, so they're not one, they're not the best thing right. ever. Yeah. So, yeah. Just looked it up. Yeah, that was, uh, so what you're talking about is it was 2002 through 2005, they win three, right? And then yeah. they win again yeah. in 2015 and 2017, or the 14 and 16 season. Um, yeah, 14 and 16 seasons, yeah. And, uh, uh, and it was the 16 season that we're talking about, what you talked about previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a low. Uh, my number four. My number four is a regular season Dodger game, September eighteenth, two thousand and six. I was watching this game. Uh, it's near the end of the game, so it's like nine thirty. Uh, I'm, I'm living at my parents' house, obviously. I'm uh, well, I guess not obviously. I'm not. I'm eighteen or nineteen. Um, and the Do- This is the back to back to back to back home run game. So the Dodgers mm. had hit hit four straight home runs uh, against. You're the watching Dodgers. that live. I watched this live. So I was sitting in, just sitting there watching, and I had my, I had like my laptop on my lap. I'm not paying attention. The Dodgers are getting shelled by the Padres. I think the score was eight to four, and then, then uh, here, here are the names because you will know them. Uh, the first mm-hmm. one was Jeff Kent, uh, who nice. was a longtime, uh, longtime Giant. He was so annoying yeah. to be a fan of, um, and this was like this one. I'm in the. I mean, obviously as probably all of us, but I'm, I'm watching so much sports from like age 17 to age 20. Just like so much. Mm. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We were just, both watching so much because we were both <laughs> the same age. <laughs> hating, hating Jeff Kent that t- whole time. He once said that Vince Scully talks too much, which is just like, once he said that, just all Dodger fans hate him. Anyways, he's number one and it just means nothing, right? Cause it's, cause it's what? Five, eight. JD yeah. Drew comes up next. JD <laughs> Drew, long time, uh, long time Red Sox. Uh, yeah, because this this is when the Dodgers are just like signing every Red Sox player at this point. Yeah, um, JD Drew hits the next one. Okay, cool. Right back to back homers, obviously cool. It's yeah. six to it's six to eight. Russell Martin in his rookie year, French Canadian royalty. Russell Martin catcher. <laughs> uh, he's like he hits it. He hits the third bomb. And by the way, he hits it off because they they pulled the pitcher, and and Trevor Hoffman came in to get the save now playing remember trevor hoffman which i guess we could do maybe like on episode 500 of the rankings we'll do ranking uh baseball closers but trevor Trevor hoffman Hoffman is definitely top five obviously career like most 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 closes in baseball history um he's top five best relief pitcher you know ever and he he gives up the the third bomb to russell martin and now it's like a thing you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's a now it's a thing. It's seven to eight. I'm ignoring everything. I've called all my family that's awake down, because the the Dodgers are just and I'm you know being loud. The Dodgers are just hit three home runs. The fourth the fourth batter is Marlon Anderson, who's basically nobody, right? He has like he plays for a while, but only he only plays half a season with the Dodgers. He hits seven home runs in that mm-hmm. half a season. Um, <laughs> and this one, the fourth one to tie the game, eight eight is hit by Marlon Anderson 
and it's just it was <laughs> unreal. Career like, when journey, that happened, man. Yeah. When that happened, it was just like what the heck? <laughs> it was pure <laughs> magic. Like it was it's when yeah. it was when it was when sports are magic. And like yeah. it was just yeah. like that was that was crazy. And that's yeah. obviously the beauty of baseball is anything can happen. Um yeah. well and, and comebacks, like you already talked about the uh, pats over the yeah. Falcons. I think there's there's something beautiful yeah. about a comeback too, everyone but um so they pull Hoffman, uh, goes into the eighth or, the, or, or sorry, that is in the ninth inning. Sorry, I should have said this is, this is in the ninth inning. Um, so it goes into the tenth, and they score once. So they're up nine eight. We get a runner on. I think it's a walk, and then guess who hits a walk off home run in the tenth with two knee braces and two elbow braces? Nomar Garcia Para. Oh man, <laughs> that Nomar. is <laughs> Nomar Garcia Para. Finishing out his career with the Dodgers, man, they're just that adding, is like, awesome. Red Sox shells at this point. Um, man, I have hits, a great segue from that. That's amazing. He, he also, hits the wow. He hits he hits the fifth home run. Now, like to, to, you know, it's, it's it's there's been like 20 minutes since the back to back to back to back. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah. finish finish up the night with a walk off two run home run after after an amazing man. comeback, and I'm just losing my mind. Like this is yeah. Well, this is this is the so second. Cool. This is the second wildest losing my mind moment I've ever had in my life because the first one is later on the list. Um, you so is that you you're at Chavez Ravine? You're at Dodger Stadium? No, 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 no. Sorry, I'm watching TV. Oh. I'm in. I'm in the. Okay. I'm in my living gotcha. room, just going gotcha. wild in my living room. Yeah. Oh man, that yeah. is amazing. Um, just a quick. I have a, an honorable mention just off the Noma, or mm-hmm. as we pronounce it in New England, Noma, Noma <laughs> Garcia Para. Um, yeah. So I actually, I was at uh, Fenway Park for, I believe it was it was either his first year or second year. My dad got some awesome seats right on the third baseline. This is before the, the monster seats were even built. So this is way back. This is probably like 98, 97, something like that. Um, and I was at a three-home run game for Nomar Garcia Parra. Oh, really? Wow. Early on. Oh yeah. yeah, it was great. We were right on the third baseline, and they were all over the green monster. That was pretty. That was a pretty incredible, incredible Gorgeous. night. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your number three? Number three. Um, this is probably getting sort of old now. Uh, Twenty fourteen Patriots Super Bowl <laughs> win. So that is so. You okay. Three. So these all. <laughs> Three yeah. Super Bowl wins. What's what's special about the twenty fourteen? Oh uh, no, one is a loss. One is a Super Bowl. Oh, loss. one is a loss. One is a loss. One is a loss. Yeah. Oh, this okay. is over uh, Manning. No, right? twenty fourteen. Oh, so oh twenty fourteen is Seahawks. Seahawks. So, right. Right. Seattle Seahawks coming off a Super Bowl win over the Broncos previous oh, year. Uh, number one defense the, in the league. Yeah. This is the interception um, at the one yard line. Yeah. Right, so this is a Malcolm Butler. Right. Right. Um, right. Interception at the goal line. Um, so like this game, so like this is sort of building on the 2007 number four. So number, number 2007 was the epic loss at the end of the year. And this is during, so there's a 10 year span in between championships. Mm -hmm. This was the bookend. 2004 was the last one. This is 2014. And sort of, we'd been waiting so long for them to finally break through. And it was just a tough game. It was a great game. I think it's one of the best Super Bowls, like, Overall, it's my favorite Patriots Super Bowl that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, or just, I just think it was very well played. Um, um, it wasn't perfect. It was sort of 
sloppy in ways, but it was just a very well played game. Um, and uh, yeah, so they were they were down ten in the fourth, the Pats, and they came they came back, um, scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, Brady put them ahead with I believe three minutes left, something like that, and then they have the play on the sideline. Russell Wilson throws a deep pass. Butler's on the coverage. The safety's coming over. Butler breaks up the play. The ball takes a crazy bounce and ends up in Tyler Lockett's lap. I don't know if you remember this play. Mm-hmm. Um, but they showed the reap like, after it. This, this is the very end of the game. Patriots are up four. Um, and this is, like, on the five-yard line, six-yard line. It falls into his lap, and they start showing the David Tyree yeah. uh, catch highlights yeah. on my, on the television. I'm at a friend's house with like a couple people from uh, from the New England area, Paul Davis, and uh, some more friends. And just man, I was uh, I was just, they were killing me with that highlight, and we were all thinking it not again. This crazy fluke catch, like it was just a miracle catch. Like how did it end up in his lap? Um, and then, yeah, so they get down, they run the ball in first and then second down, they're on the one and a half, two yard line and throw a pass and Malcolm Butler picks it off and yeah. And they mm-hmm. finally broke through after that long. It was just cause I mean, they got Marshawn Lynch and they're on the one mm-hmm. and they got three downs to get in. Yeah. All and, time, uh, all time worst call. Um, yeah, I think it could I have been. The, the time on the clock a, was interesting, but isn't there a statistic? Um, I think they've run the the Seahawks had run that play six times in the year, and it had never worked. Yeah, something like that. Some mm-hmm. place, I don't forget that. Someone will correct me on that, but yeah, it was like a it, the play had never worked, and they call it instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch. Uh, yeah, my number crazy. three. My number three is a loss: the Lakers losing to the Pistons in the 2004 Finals. They lost four to one. Basically, every loss was bad for me. Um, why? This is the season where I actually watched the Pistons, every. Right? Yeah. This is the Pistons. Lakers lost to the Pistons. Yeah. This is the the mm-hmm. uh, this is the season. The Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, mm-hmm. Chauncey Billups team. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is this is Kobe, Shaq, and Gary Payton and Carl Malone. So this is the year that mm-hmm. they loaded up with Gary Payton and yeah. Carl Malone to to chase some rings. They. I watched every single Lakers game this season, every single one. And Wait, are you that, serious? Like literally every single one? In 2004, every single one. You so, 82 games. 82 games. <laughs> and all build up, all building up, and we'll talk more about this season later, but all building up to losing to Detroit. And at this time, I'm like hanging out with a lot more people from Detroit, um, mm, yeah. whatever, online, just I'm going, you know, traveling up there and – I heard about it just so yeah. hard. It was the worst. Now, the only slight bright part and random of that game, of that se- of that series is we won game two on Luke Walton scoring like 25 points, which is so stupid. He's just like terrible bench mm-hmm. player, um, current Lakers yeah. coach. But that was a serious low. And then just it's the worst when you. Oh, I just invested so much in that team, and then I just heard about it so much. Like it was a actual yeah. impression. I would say, like, I entered an actual depression for a while. Yeah, you just had to wear it for a while. Just yeah. wore it, and it was all it was such a waste. Wore it so like, like, yeah, it was all uh, such a waste. Uh, I watched so much basketball. Um, oh man, that that was such a crazy year for basketball. Um, mm. 
because, like, you know, like you're saying, the Lakers, they got the powerhouse. They had all the names. They had, like, yep, yep. you know, yeah, maybe they were out there in age. They had all the names. They had all all-stars, yeah. four all-stars, um, sort of top-tier well, players of the generation yeah. players. Four hall, like four um, Hall of Famers. Four Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah, and, four Hall of and, Famers, yeah. And losing to a team that probably has zero Hall of Famers. Yeah, that's what's amazing about that Pistons team. Yeah, it's crazy, and and in basketball, it's crazy like that, where it's like the best overall team doesn't typically win. Like, right. you still need like you really do need frontline talent. At least you have for you know most of the last twenty twenty five years. Most of what we've yeah. been watching basketball has yeah. been you know the top line players yep. get there and win. Yeah. Um, so what's what's yeah, number crazy. two? Number two, um, so number two is 2003 Red Sox losing ALCS oh. to the New York Yankees. Um, so I really think that this this year, this particular series was um, as difficult. It was a very difficult loss. It was just a, just a, such a low. Um, so growing up in New England, you you are born if you're born in new england you're a red sox fan that's just like you are that um and there's some transplants in the area from new york so you hear it from yankees fans and this is 2003 so this is before they had won any world series since 1918 um so you know um and they'd had close calls they'd been close they were Game seven in 1986. They were they'd been close at other times, and you sort of hear these stories from your your parents, your relatives, your uncles of past games where you know they they you thought they were going to make the run and they you know they got upset and there's always the New York Yankees in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I was, I think I was 17 at this point or 16, um, junior in high school, um, so just starting to like sort of understand sports a little more. Um, and as tough as that was, so it was a, it was a game seven loss. I think they were up three to two. The Red Sox were up three to two and they went to Yankee stadium because Yankees had home field, of course. Um, and Pedro gave it up in the eighth, I think to Matsui. Um, and they lost or they tied it up and then it went extras and, It was such a long series. Those games went on forever. Gosh, mm. like four-hour games. Um, and then I remember it was like 12.30, 1 in the morning, and Tim Wakefield gives up a walk-off home run to Aaron Boone. And uh, I went to bed so late, and I'd been up so late for the mm. past two weeks. And uh, I just remember waking up the next morning and just like, oh, or just like tossing and turning all night, just being like, is that real? <laughs> like, is that real? Like, how did that happen? Like, they were up 3-2. to two, They had Pedro on the mound. Uh, like he was in his prime then, like, and it was just uh, I was getting. But I feel like that was a really important, like coming from where I came from, New England area, Boston yeah, yeah, sports. Yeah. I feel like that was an important experience for me to have. Oh, I feel like, like younger generations, like, like after me, you know, five years younger than me. Didn't never really, never tasted the older what the failure. what our parents told us about. Like, Interesting. Like the like the you expect to lose when the game's on the line. You don't expect to win. 
Right. And it's sort of swung, like sort of like the, the things I've named so far sort of swung. Now it's sort of swung the other way when it's when it's crunch time. You believe that our teams are going to come through. Yeah. Um, but back then it was completely the opposite where. Um, you thought your team was losing. Like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. They, they're going to find a way to mess this up. That that yeah. was the narrative, and that yeah, you could feel it. You could feel it. It was it's a right. weird thing. Um, they haven't won. They haven't lost the World Series yet, and they've been there four more times. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah, it's a whole different experience. Yeah, and um, and the the other thing too is just you know the the Patriots won in two thousand one, um, but I just sort of like kind of what I remember from that is my dad, uh, when Vinatieri lined up to kick a win- game-winning field goal, like he was behind, like like he's lining up to kick it. And my dad goes behind this like this like recliner chair and he's peering over the top of it as Vinatieri is setting up because he's so scared. He's imagining it's not working out. He can't imagine it working out. <laughs> he's scared of them blowing it. He's just on his knees behind this chair, peering over, expecting the worst. And yeah. I mean, Vinatieri kicks it straight through, and they win. But it was just—that <laughs> was the first championship that I'd seen, and it's the first one he'd really seen since the Celtics in the '80s. And it was just—it uh, was cool. But it—I feel like that '03 year was important mm. to sort of connect me to the uh, to the older generation. I think it makes me appreciate the like the winning that's yeah. gone on with our teams much more because of that. Right. Um, my number two is uh, my own playing at basketball at the Y. This is years ago, mm-hmm. I think six or seven years ago. And I've already said, I'm not really the greatest athlete ever by any stretch. I enjoy playing sports. I'm never mm-hmm. the best player. I'm basically never the best player on the floor ever. Uh, but we shoot, you know, we shoot for teams and we end up, and it's me, a couple of guys I work with, um, including my brother, and and basically it, it's essentially, you know how there's eight guys, you shoot for teams, it was a, basically the top four against the bottom four in which I mm. am I am number five. So it's me, number five, six, seven, eight. And these other three guys are bums, like very short, not good at basketball. Uh, and we, and uh, I win. We win the game. So how we won... <laughs> How we won the game is in my and I thought I, I thought I thought in my life I was like I, was, I thought it was like you know what we're gonna win this game, and how we won the game is I, in my memory we went seven for seven. I don't think we missed. I'm not sure. You I just don't, shot the lights it, out. It doesn't feel like we missed. It just turned into this incredible hot streak, and we played to 13 by ones and twos, and I hit three twos in a row to win the game. No, no, uh, to to start the game. And then start passing because because I'm the only one who's going to do anything, it feels like, for the other team. And each of the other three guys each hit a uh, a two-pointer, you know, from the three-point line, get, getting us to 12. And then I hit a one to win the game. We win 13 to two. It was the most unexpected win ever. And, so you just, it, you didn't win. You just, like, you We destroyed them. Like, all, it was – and it just you, – you had the feeling – there's a feeling in sports, I think, when you're playing where all of a sudden just everything goes right and you wonder, like, you know, like you go on, you get on fire or whatever. And this is one of those moments yeah. for me where it was just like, no, it ended. We, we played, you know, we, should, we say, all right, we play again. And we got destroyed, right? Like yeah, that, right. that one, but that game, and then we yeah. got destroyed again. But we had, we had that one game, but that one game where uh, we didn't miss. 
Uh, and we played loser's ball at the time. So, like, it's not like we kept the ball. Like, every time oh, we made man. a shot, we gave the ball back to the other team. You guys played D. You guys we played D. Just oh, man. Thing. Yeah. It was wow. just, it was just the, it was, again, it was pure magic. Uh, didn't know what was happening. I remember. And obviously, it's so, it, was so, it was so sweet beating better players. And that's why I love, like, sometimes in, when you're playing, just pick up with your friends, or sometimes the teams can just be uneven. I think there's a debate there because sometimes that cannot be fun. But also, the chance at the upset is so great. Like I love, I love yeah, winning. I love getting upset. You know, and if it's just about yeah. exercise, it feels it feels great to play with house money and and uh, yeah. and get the win. So, and on the other hand, if you're just getting, yeah. if you're just getting destroyed, it's also not fun. But yeah, I I feel like the like it it depends. Like it can't be so wildly skewed that like there's no chance at all. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Like there is a much more. Uh, you know, there's there's a much more emotional high you can come to, in the, yeah. in those in that situation for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it was. It was the highest high, and just yeah, it, yeah. Was, it wasn't close. And I loved the other guys. All like each one of them made a shot. It was like it was like we wrote it like a story. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a I have a fun like uh, extra one to throw in there. So when I was a reporter, I did a I did a high school basketball. Um, game here in Richmond and uh, Richmond, Virginia. So it was a, uh, a couple of college or college prep high schools going at it, um, and it was just it was a fun game. It was back and forth, but the fun thing is that it came down to the end, and it was kind of like one of those magical sort of moments where like you could sort of feel you feel it in the crowd, and it's coming down to the to the end but the, the teams are sort of back and forth for a while and it's close at the end i think it's like 52 to 51 um final seconds and these teams have sort of been going back and forth with a lot of emotion there was a dunk in the game which is pretty big in high school someone throws mm-hmm. down and it was like a wicked dunk so it was like it was it was a lot of fun um but yeah a kid like you know split the defense went down the lane and hit a buzzer and it was mm. just like it was just so cool um, to see that sort of emotional uh, like roller coaster there because you got parents of both like yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. you know a crazy emotional high for the teams that win um, and like the families are there and everything it's a playoff game um, and then like the crazy emotional low because these teams are you know obviously they're this close they're so evenly matched right. Um, right and they sort of that's how the game was playing out as well it wasn't like super streaky. Um, right. and it was just, it was just, I just reminded me of that where it's just like this huge emotional high. And then that's, but that's, that's sports. That's sort of ma- what makes it fun. You have the opportunity for both, um, both the big highs and the low lows. Perfect. Um, what's your number one? So I think number one sort of connects to number two. So it's 2004 Red Sox World Series. Beating the Yankees in the ALCS has to be. Um, oh, beating the Yankees. Yeah. So not so not even the World Series. No, they're gonna win after they beat the Yankees. Oh, that was a okay. foregone conclusion. <laughs> um, now is the the bloody sock game is that is the bloody sock game in against the Yankees or that's the World Series? Yeah, game six of the ALCS. That's oh, uh, uh, actually, well, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, the original is game six of the ALCS. We might have had bloody sock on. Uh, in the World Series too, I'm not sure, but or, or catch up. I don't know. You probably probably catch up on the. I think it's catch up in the World Series. He's just trying <laughs> to 
you know, further the narrative. Um, but yeah, just, uh, yeah, I think that experience from 03 for me sort of kind of, like I was saying before, related me to the past of expecting to lose. And then, right. you know, Red Sox are down 03 to the Yankees, their arch rival, sort of the nemesis, that good and evil thing that we're talking mm-hmm. about. The mm-hmm. evil empire is what we used to call the Yankees back in the day. Um, in, uh, in the Boston area. And it was just, uh, Yes, they get smashed in game three. 19 to 8 was the score of that game. Um, so, Yankees up 3 to 0. Crazy long game. Game four, they score on Mariano Rivera. Also, would be on my top five closer list. I believe number one. Oh, yeah. We can sure revisit that. Yeah. Episode yeah, sure. 500, right? <laughs> Episode 500. Um, so, Mariano Rivera, they score on the best closer of all time. Um, Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's. He, Steals a huge base, um, biggest stolen base of ever, probably. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they score on Rivera in the ninth. Um, and then Ortiz, two nights in a row, um, past midnight, hits walk-off, uh, hits one as a home run, one was just a hit up the middle. And, uh, yeah, somehow they keep it going. Um, but it was a crazy ride. Like it was just long nights and just, just wearing it for the first three games. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about before, like, man, they, oh, gosh, cause it felt like they were just as good. Like both years, they'd won 98 games that year. They were still the wild card because the Yankees won a hundred, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that Yankees yeah. were good too. Yeah. Really that's, good. That's, um, that's a-, a rod and Jeter in their primes. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah, game so. seven. I remember game seven, just Johnny Damon losing his mind. That's the that's one of the only memories I had. Yeah, it was so I good. Mean. Yeah, I remember. Man, yeah, the grand slam was just a huge way to start. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I feel like we we started to believe once they, you know, we kind of had faith a little bit, but it was just like it was really dwindled in there after three, three oh three. Um, but once they went back to New York, I was like, oh maybe, you know, Pedro was. I think Pedro was pitching game six. So we were feeling a bit better about that. Or no, Schelling was pitching game six. Right. So we were feeling better about that. But, yeah, crazy ride. Um, yeah, and breaking the 86-year-old curse. I mean, you know, we, it's funny. We were talking about how it's, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. It's sort of make-believe. But, like, that felt real, let me tell you, for being in it. It, it felt – you could feel it. People just felt like a bad thing was going to happen. And uh, I think it took that team, like that team was special. Um, they just, they, you know, they're called them. We called them the idiots. They were completely anti-Yankees. They were, yeah. you know, wild beards, long hair. All the Yankees are clean cut and, yeah, you know, yeah, no yeah. facial hair, uh, buttoned up. And uh, I am. It took a special team to take that kind of adversity and then come through. It was fun to watch. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. Hi. My number, my number one was from that same 2004 season in the Western Conference Finals, uh, game five. The Lakers are down to the Spurs. This is the Tim Duncan Spurs, mm-hmm. Tim Duncan, Manu Parker. Um, they, the Spurs win the first two. This is essentially. Is this Yes. Now, what's funny is at the time, this feels like the finals because the Lakers and the Spurs had won like the last four, last five championships. Right. So mm. at that time and the East stunk and the Pistons, there was not even, you know, it doesn't matter for the Pistons. Cause not, and I think the Pistons are playing the, uh, 
the uh, Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so we're just no one's afraid of them. Derek Fisher hits a, hits the last shot and with 0.4 seconds left on the clock, it's a catch and shoot to win the game. More amazing yeah. is the shot right before. It's important to remember, and this is totally worth YouTubing. Is Tim Duncan hit a miracle shot, like falling over sideways at the free throw line um, to put hmm. them up, and then right. and then Derek and then we come back with Derek Fisher hitting this amazing game winner. It just was the you, you, after the Tim Duncan miracle, you thought the, the game of was over. Yeah, you yeah. thought the game was you thought the game was over for sure. There's no yeah. way there's nothing nothing can happen. And you know, this also is you you know the ball's going to Kobe or Shaq, and but it doesn't it goes to Derek Fisher. He hits the point four seconds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So clear, that, was that point six on the clock? I believe on that point one. Or point four. No. Point four. Point four. Oh yeah, it and was like how is that po- like we were, so, like people well, weren't even sure if they could catch it. It's possible. Two. They said yeah. the uh, they said the rule at the time that if it's point three seconds they actually round it down and it's game over. You can't have less than point four seconds. So wow. the uh, um. unreal. Now what's what's funny is since then I've just grown to hate Derek Fisher. Like at first, like <laughs> at, that, at that moment, I was I literally said and thought for years I was going to name like a son that I have Fisher just because it was the greatest moment of like my life. But since since then he's turned into such a loser. Uh, so anyways, that's a that's like for another podcast. Oh, man. Top, top five worst parts about Derek Fisher, but um, but uh, yeah, such a high, uh, such a high then. Yeah. And uh, and I, I remember, yeah. and I just yeah. remember that moment so clearly, like mm. where you know I was, I was on, watching TV, same couch as the back to back to back to back Dodger game. Yeah. And gotta just, be obviously you wouldn't sit on another couch. Yeah. And I just lost and just losing my mind, like just absolutely losing yeah. my mind. It was such a oh man such an instant high. Um, yeah, I think that kind of connects to, like, sort of what we've been talking about, at least a few of my, on my list as well, is, like, you feel that jet, that just just valley, that real yeah. low, like, absolute yeah. low, and then the high of, like, overcoming that low, right? So that I right. think my list sort of interconnects those, and that, like, and the sort of the, the Patriots one that I had where it's, like, there's this crazy play on the sideline, like they're on the one and right. they touch down, they lose and then the pick and yep. then the game's over in your favor. It's like you, you went from winning to losing all in one. And then in that game, right, they won that and then they were going home for game seven, right? Um, the... They won that game five. They were going home for game six and they win game six to end the series. Mm. So the, right. the Spurs went. But the they Spurs had two games at two. home after that? Yeah, it was yeah. two, two, yeah. three, two. Um, the Spurs were up. Uh, um, Spurs were up two zero, and then we won four straight, I believe. Yeah. I haven't checked. I haven't fact checked that, but that's my memory. Yeah, and I think so, yeah. that that's the really cool thing about about sports, as far as if you can be sort of in, if you are invested or kind of feel that community. It's like feeling that collective low or that collective high. It's just kind of like there's really nothing else mm-hmm. quite like it, as far as like. Um, and it's sort of unique in a way because, like, in a way it doesn't matter, but in, like like I was saying before, in, in a way it, it's all that matters, you know, at that moment. Um, it's such a such a low or such a high, and the swings are really what gets you. Um, right. Which is on a lot of a lot of our list, I think, is made up of the swings. No, that's true. Yeah, comebacks, uh, comebacks and unexpected victories, that's really, um, mm-hmm. I guess, what we, what we remember the most. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
Um, yeah, that, yeah, looking looking at the list, that is comedy. So yeah, that was uh, yeah. Top five emotional sports moments. Um, we are gonna do parent corner. You said you, you said you have a parent corner. You, you said you're yeah two of them. Go for yeah, it. so I have. Um, yeah, so my parent corner question is so. Um, I guess kind of a like a response to one of your previous podcasts about not being quite as into the NFL. I'm very okay. into the NFL right now. Oh, okay. I okay. am watching more NFL, I think, than I've ever watched before. I, like, watched mm-hmm. the Titans-Redskins game earlier this season. Wow. don't know why I did that, but, like, I'm into it. Um, so I think something I've been thinking about um, sort of over the last few years, I think we've – started to learn more about sort of injuries in the NFL, head head injuries specifically, um, with sort of some more studies done on CTE, which sort of brain injuries in the NFL and how that's affecting players later on down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, And my question, sort of I've been thinking about this a little on my own. Um, I'm not a parent yet, but I hope at some point to be one. Mm -hmm. Um, Levi, how do you feel about your kids playing football. Yeah. Um, well, well, actually, my well, this is funny because my hot sports take. So we're doing hot sports take first, and then okay, yeah, and it is parent corner. Um, I, I definitely, I've talked, I've talked, talking about it with Jess, continuing to think about it, and I'm actually, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl this year. I'm fully hmm. skipping it. I think because at this point, I've actually made it this far. I have not watched a single football game. For the first time in my life, uh, I quit fantasy football and then just don't care to watch a game. It's hard. I don't make time mm-hmm. to watch it. Um, I would definitely, for the CTE reason, not be interested. But I think the thing is I'd, I just would be surprised if my kid got interested if I'm not watching it. Interestingly, sure. uh, as far as soccer goes, there's in California there's a rule. I think kids under 14 can't use their head in soccer for the right. same reasons. Um, right. And yeah, I mean, I'm all I'm all for that. Um, you know, I don't think mm-hmm. it's worth uh, the fear of you know any any sacrifices down the road or in the future. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess haven't thought about it. I don't have a son, so I mean, uh, I, I haven't I haven't thought about them possibly being interested. Sure. Um, I don't. I, I don't see myself saying no, but. I also don't see myself encouraging it, so I'm not sure if it would happen, I guess. Yeah, so I think so I think my sort of internal struggle right now is I have been watching a lot of NFL. And yeah, you yeah. see the injuries from play to play. Um and it's just it's it's a rough game. It's it's a contact sport and you sort of glamorize it and put you know, pour, put more emphasis on offense of late and you lighten the rules a little bit. But like it's always gonna be tackle football. Like right. Um, and like, there's always chance of injury and there's, you know, um, and I think as we've seen, like less and less, you know, parents are wanting their kids to play. And, um, I guess the, the thing that I'm thinking about too, is like, so you said earlier, like you're not watching the NFL. You're also not watching college football as well. Yeah. I haven't watched a single watching? football game. I haven't okay, watched it. I mean, I made it, I didn't. And I don't think it, I don't think it started as deliberate. It's definitely deliberate now, but mm-hmm. uh, it started as just. What, just what are your What's your like reasoning? I guess. 
why why are you not watching football? Um, is it a lot I mean, of interest, or is it like the nature yeah, of I think it? Or it starts it, no, it starts with lots of interest, and it starts with um, just not having time on my schedule. I mean, it's like middle of sure. day or evening Saturdays and Sundays are busy time. Sure. I've said this before, mm-hmm. I think on the podcast why I like soccer is that it's it's early mornings, like at the latest it's lunchtime. Um, sure. It's easy. It's easy for me to find time to watch it live. Um, but then, and I, and now I'm just, uh, you know, I guess you, you, you could go back and listen to uh, the podcast with Forrest. I, I, I explain yeah. uh, the uh, Kareem Hunt story kind of just really turned me off of the NFL. But I, but but it's not just that. I think it was just the, kind of the straw that broke the back and also just not really part of my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, for and, me, I think. And fantasy. Okay. I mean, I played, I played fantasy for 10 years. And uh, and just lost interest. So yeah, what I stopped playing fantasy a long time ago, um, just because I felt like you know it's just you're just watching too much and looking at too many stats and whatever. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I played, I like I was gonna I was gonna like try to win. Like I wasn't gonna like well, yeah, kind of play. Too, yeah. Um, right, right, right. So like it just you know mm-hmm. it's whoever puts the most time in is gonna win. But anyways, so I've really been enjoying watching this year. It's been an interesting. It's been a good season. Um, just I've been watching lots of games, like I said. And one thing that I've been struggling with is this sort of idea of watching. Um, like if I if I'm watching um, and I'm deciding if I'm I haven't decided this yet. I don't have kids, so I don't really have to at the moment. But it's interesting to think about. Like if I don't want my kids to play, should I be okay with watching other people's kids play? Right. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, the, I think that there's there's some gruesomeness, like, you know, you see the hits, and then I hate when someone gets knocked out cold and you see their arms go limp. It's like, I don't want to see that, you know? Or, right. or uh, who was it that was just injured in the, in the first week? Um, uh, receiver on the Steelers, right? Or or was it the last week? I forget. There was a um, brutal, brutal ankle injury um, at oh, the beginning uh, of the game. Yeah. Eagles, uh, one of the Eagles players. Anyways, hmm. it's just a... Yeah, it was brutal. Um, they wouldn't even show it on TV. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean that's just um, like, but no it, guaranteed yeah. contracts. You know, no guaranteed contracts bothers me. Like, uh, how the league is run is really the issue. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I justify a lot of bad behavior um, and danger to players in all the other leagues. Um, sure. But but how literally how the NFL is run from the top it bothers me. So, I mean, again, I'm repeating myself, but whatever. It's a it's a theme. For to Flategate, there were 63 in-person interviews. And for Kareem sure. Hunt's uh, um, abuse case, there was zero. And sure. what the heck? You know, like, like <laughs> nobody was nobody was hurt in the play gate. It's just it was like yeah. a yeah. incredible. It was yeah. the, the hypocrisy and the and and like I'm saying, no guaranteed contracts. They don't care about the players. Um, mm-hmm. It just can't be it can't be denied. And uh, yeah. Anyways, so yeah. Um, what are you eating? What am I eating? Um, so I've been eating burritos lately. Um, okay. Especially with the new year, I've been sort of eating eating burritos as a meal, but also just like making all the things that go into it as okay. sort of like sort of like a meal prep situation for mm. later in the week. 
And it's just been really great, uh, especially with, like, the new year starting. I think it's, like, a great – okay, it's, it's, like, good fuel if you're trying to, like, work out more. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, like, cost-effective if you're trying to, like, rebound off the holiday mm-hmm. spending that we probably all did. We probably all spent a little too much money. So, like, you get your rice, your beans, your um, corn, whatever, make a bunch of that, make your chicken, make your whatever. Um, I think I'm going to do – I've done chicken so far, but I think I'm going to do some crockpot pork next week. Um, nice, nice. Really cost effective, and it's just nice to have something to just reach in the fridge and grab and uh, grab and go, or eat a quick meal, save you some time. Um, yeah, just been really into burritos. Good full and meal. Super, yeah, and super good. I mean, that's the, the key to eating at home is being excited about what you're going to eat, you know. And like, no one mm-hmm. is, no yeah. one, no one thinks like, oh, dang, I got to go home and eat a burrito, you know, like yeah, cereal. Exactly. Cereal, on the other hand, you know, like I'll probably stop and get something on the way home instead, you know. But yeah. And, yeah. and that's the other thing too is like burritos are still flexible, right? Like I can I can make a breakfast burrito, throw an egg on it, something different. Like it's right. really got the components like apart. Yeah, it's got all the components. Yeah, in there. yeah, it's pretty great. Um, been into those lately. Nothing I new, have been useful. I have been slow cooking meats. So nice. I, yeah, so finding stuff like you, I talked about doing a pork. Um, you know, m- making something in the morning, sticking it in there for the day, coming back to it at night gorgeous it helps i mean it's you know it's the it's the winter out here not the california right, yeah, yeah. all that not the california winter is all that hard yeah it's the winter just, over here you know you just love you just love 30, uh, 38 degrees yeah. fahrenheit here today yeah so. i mean i have, I have to wear i have to wear a sweater or a jacket so it's pretty tough um <laughs> but yeah you just you just love you love getting home to a big uh you know bowl of something that's been stewing all day so yeah that's what that's what we've been doing nice do you have anything awesome. to plug um, a couple things. Any shout out? So, Go for it. Um, Avery Light, community coffee shop here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, we've got a, there's a website. Um, you can donate if you want to help some people in the Richmond area, um, get some food, um, get some needed help. Um, sort of, it's a community, uh, help situation. So they'll put people in touch with services they need, um, give them, you know, blankets or food to keep them going, soups, different things. Um, but yeah, rvalight.com, if you want to check that out. Um, also work for a brewery, Fine Creek Brewing. Uh, check us out, finecreekbrewing.com. Um, got a cool, a lot of cool new beers to check out, Richmond, Virginia area. Um, yeah, those are my two. Levi's been out to Fine Creek Brewing as well. Yep, I've been to Fine Creek. The uh, RVA Light um, has a coffee subscription program that I just signed up for. And also awesome. they sent, they send you a bag of coffee a month, which is cool. Cause I spend money on coffee oh, anyways. Cool. It's like, it's like a little yeah. more, but they, uh, it's uh, the same coffee that they sell at the store or at, at the coffee shop. And, um, yeah, I mean, you got to use coffee at home anyways, might as well make it help, help, uh, help out at the same time. So yeah, that's a cool, yeah, um, awesome. I just plug the other podcast, good Christophian talks and, uh, I also want to plug reading. I think everyone should, you know, yes. in, the, in the new year, grab a book. Um, one yeah, of my can we uh, can we hop in? What are you reading right now, real quick? Both sure. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Well, I just finished uh, a book um, today, which was called "Getting to Fifty Fifty, and it's about uh, parenting and both working. Um, and it was really helpful because okay. uh, both Jess and I are continuing in our careers and having and we have a baby. Um, mm-hmm. It was super helpful just kind of how to work through 
certain things, certain attitudes. Cool. Um, so yeah, getting to fifty fifty. That was my first book finished for twenty nineteen. Um, I mean, so I had like to start it. Work, work, family balance kind of. 50/50? Yeah, basic. Yeah, it? basically. Yeah. yeah, basically work family balance. It's kind of. I think the cool. the thing is getting to fifty fifty, is finding, yeah, finding balance between the two of you essentially is what it is. Mm-hmm. Not not really yeah. work life balance, but like how do we balance between as mom and dad and both having careers. Um, awesome, very cool. And um, and uh, that, yeah, I have a goal of nine or I have a goal of a book a month. So I started that nice. one in very December, good. but yeah, for the for this year I gotta gotta reach twelve books. That was the first one. Yeah. What about you? you got it. Reading? Very attainable. Um, yeah. I'm actually reading the. Uh, I'm reading the Perfect Storm right now. Very good. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, very good. Sort of a different realm, but uh, yeah, really interesting to see. Yeah, this is a really good book. Lots. Uh, it's a cool insight into like the fisher, uh, fisherman's life and just uh, sort of the dichotomy of uh, land life versus uh, life at sea. It's pretty nice. interesting insight. So, so yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. This has been really fun. Um, yeah, thanks we'll for having me. Have you on again? Talk yeah. to you later. Awesome. Bye. See ya.